Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast here. And today my guest is Chris Talley of Precision Foodworks. And Chris is actually going to go through and read my blood work and food sensitivity test. And you're going to get to experience him coaching me based off of my blood work on what nutritional adjustments I should make, what supplementation adjustments I can make, and how the tests that we just did here at December of 2023, how I've improved or gotten worse from May of 2001 when we did our last tests. So excited to bring Chris Talley to Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. And if you are interested in getting your blood work done and getting a food sensitivity test done and working with an expert on how do I maximize my personal performance related to nutrition and supplementation based off of my blood work so you're not guessing and just being a Joe that goes into a GNC and says, give me your best supplements, but you're actually getting supplements based off of what your blood work is telling you to do, you're going to love this podcast. Let's join me and Chris Talley taking a look at my data and blood work. This is Brian Kane with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast and couldn't be more excited to be joined by my friend Chris Talley to talk about uh, sports nutrition and blood work and how all those things tie together when it comes to elite performance. And really cool today that Chris is going to actually read my most recent blood work here live on this podcast so that you get a better understanding of what it looks like to do a deep dive at an elite level into food sensitivity and into blood work for optimal performance. So Chris, man, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, no problem at all. Glad we could uh, go through your test at the same time we're uh, talking about the uh, uh, the blood work that I run. Yeah. And just, I think for, 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 you know, our listeners, just to get to know you a little bit better, what what kind of got you into this field of blood work and sports nutrition? Uh, what sort of is your path into this field? Yeah, I've always been interested in high performance, whether it's uh, human high performance cars, whatever the thing is, something that's, you know, if you're taking something that was uh, reasonable to start with and now you uh, enhance it and it can do things it couldn't do before, that's always exciting space to be in. And so on the human performance side of it, that's been a fascination for uh, more than 40 years at this point. So um, in that space, uh, the nutritional biomarker testing, as advances have come in biotechnology, some of these things weren't even, uh, uh, you know, uh, what I'll call it, uh, molecules that you can look at uh, when I first got started in this. And now it's stuff that you can literally just have a sample run through and easily uh, see if someone's got a reaction to something or, or you know, some of the uh, amino acids play a key role in mental function. And I know on your end, that's obviously of uh, extreme interest. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's, I just want to you know, let people know that as we're recording this, it's 2023, end of December. And the last time I had blood work done with Chris was back in May of 2021. And from that call, which you're going to get to experience with us here today, I was able to make some adjustments into supplementation and into nutrition uh, with what things to add, what things to avoid. And physiologically, I felt the benefits from that uh, in performance, but also just in everyday life, cognitive function. And the craziest part about it is my wife, Chris, I'm not sure if I even shared this with you, but my wife um, did the same tests. And we were, we were at a point where, you know, we were starting to try to have a family and pregnant. And then, you know, now we have, here we are two years later almost, and we have two kids, 18 months and four months. And, you know, that was, uh, was something that I wanted to share with you. So appreciate the help on that front. <laughs> no, that's good to hear. So, um, 
Yeah, let's jump into your test. Yeah, let's get right into it. Let's take a look at the data here. So I'm going to have you share your screen and then you just go ahead and kind of do what you do. And I'm going to take notes on my side and I may ask some questions as we go, but excited to dive into it. Yeah, so um, let's go ahead and uh, uh, we'll we'll start with this food antibody panel. Um, because you're seeing this for the first time too, I, I kind of wanted to give you the explanation and, and maybe that will help for people following along. Um, I'm going to put your old test up just for comparison purposes, if you don't mind me sharing that. Oh, no, you can share anything and everything here. My life okay. is an open book for the benefit of others. And so on this old panel, it was in numbers. Um, it was in nanograms per milliliter for these reactions. And what we're looking at are food antibodies. Um, this is different than an allergy. So an allergy would be where you eat something and you have an immediate anaphylactic response you would know that you had that. You'd eat shrimp, uh, your throat would start swelling up, you'd get some weird rash, you'd go straight to the hospital. The ones we're looking at here are the delayed onset reactions where you eat something, and over the next few days, your body starts cranking out antibodies to it. It's kind of viewing it as an invading organism. And so there's no disease state or, or um, direct relationship where you go, wow, I ate this and now I feel terrible or I have cancer or whatever the thing is. It's just a waste of resources. And so in the case of your old test, we see this massive score for egg white and egg yolk. We see that greater than 2000 uh, coming up there. So you hit the upper limit of the test, test equipment with your reaction to eggs on the previous panel. The, the reason that we switched from this format with the numbers is because people look at the milk score and they're like, is that good or bad? And it, you know that would have been a relatively high score, but it's just... An, you don't really know where that stands. It's not pretty obvious if something's less than 10, that that's a good score. If we look at the way it's laid out now, it's actually much cleaner. And so we have a scale of nothing in the box, green, yellow, pink, or red. The red would be that big negative reaction. Pink would be, well, let's keep an eye on that. You don't want to have more than what you're having right now. Um, the yellow and the green are so low that those are not significant. And so if we look at your egg white and egg yolk score in the poultry and meat section, you have nothing now. Mm -hmm. And so the way to correct this would have been to pull that out for some period of time. And I don't know if uh, we did some effort in on that front. Yeah, about six months. Okay. <laughs> and so that's what you knocked it out. And the idea would be that your immune system gets a break from that food. It doesn't see it for a while. If that was an invading organism, your immune system would think, well, okay, we won the battle. This thing's gone. We can shut down production of these antibodies. The threat is over. And the nice thing is you have more resources. Um, doing data analysis on big data sets that uh, we, we had run testing on, we ended up finding that these have an interesting relationship with testosterone. Hmm. And if you knock out some high scores here, you see a nice little bounce in that person's testosterone score. And so... Um, Jumping to, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to that part of the test and talk about the testosterone just for a second. Yep. In the bottom right of this cardio check report, we're going to see your the total testosterone score. And so uh, the scale that uh, is shown here, there's two different um, uh, ways of measuring testosterone. One's in deciliters and one in, in milliliters. Because we're drawing milliliters of blood and not deciliters of blood, it doesn't make much sense to use that old standard where it's going to be in hundreds to convert between the new one and the old one. You would multiply this score times 100. 
So there's 460 or 4.16 would be a 416 by that old standard. If we go back to your old report, again, it was laid out a bit differently, but if we look at your testosterone at line 12, we're going to see that it came up. And so it's at 416 now relative to this, what, 345 that we had uh, the first test you did. So you saw a nice increase in the testosterone from the old test. The sex hormone binding globulin at line 13 previously was a 62. And if I go to this new one, we're going to see, well, that came down substantially. And that sex hormone binding globulin is something that would wrap up your testosterone. It's really there to kind of keep a, a testosterone reservoir present. And so uh, when you're discussing free testosterone versus total testosterone, if we have a lower sex hormone binding globulin score, more of your testosterone is actually free to do something. So you've actually, even though the, the testosterone score just went up a, a little bit, you actually have a lot more free testosterone now because that score came down. Nice. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, and then the other markers on this page, if we're looking at the cholesterol portion of it, yeah, the LDL cholesterol was a little on the high side. Um, now to balance that out, the, the good cholesterol, the HDL cholesterol was also fairly high. So if I'm trying to make everything ideal on here, I would say it would be nice to knock this LDL score back into the green zone. A few things would apply here. Um, one would be working in small, frequent meals. Um, you'll find a, a benefit to that rather than doing a couple of bigger meals per day. Uh, the reason why is there's an enzyme called HMG-CoA reductase. Uh, if people are listening to this, you could Google HMG-CoA reductase, and you'll find that that's the thing responsible for cranking out the LDL cholesterol. And when you're looking at, well, what increases the activity of that enzyme, insulin is going to be near the top of that list. And so the bigger the meal you have, the more insulin you need to dump into your system to try to um, control the, your blood sugar and to process that meal. Um, if someone's having a lot of sweets, that can also cause you to dump a lot of insulin in. Uh, from that perspective, the small frequent meals, especially if you keep the sugars down, you're going to see a benefit on the uh, cholesterol end. Additionally, um, that LDL cholesterol does come down nicely if you work in more soluble fiber. So if I'm picking a key note for you, it would be, let's work that in. The four foods that have the most would be oats, Brussels sprouts, lima beans, and black beans. I know uh, lima beans are not too common, but with oats, Brussels sprouts, or black beans, how often do you have those? Not very often. No, and, and I, and I, yeah, not, I mean, there's, I go in periods where I eat the same food consistently. Right. So if we go back to why my, my egg yolk and egg whites or my egg white scores were so high, probably back in 2021 is out. Maybe it's because I was having six of them a day, you know, and, and there's times where I like, I'll eat the same thing at the same time every day for a month or so. I'm pretty, pretty regimented when it comes to that. But my oats, you know, there's times where I'll have overnight oats for breakfast, which I enjoy and I'll have them every day. And there's other times maybe where I'm in a phase where I'm trying to have less carb if I'm following a macronutrition plan. So I'll eliminate the oats because they're high in carb. But um, I don't have Brussels sprouts, lima or black beans very often or oats, but I can definitely build those into the routine. Okay. Yeah, that would be terrific. And if you're going to uh, try overnight oats, get the extra thick rolled oats. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of different forms of oatmeal out there. 
the instant oats, um, because of the way that it's processed, you lose some of the benefit. Uh, there's a little less soluble fiber in there, but we're also going to see that there's a lot less of this um, thing called GLA, gamma linolenic acid. And uh, later, we're going to see that that was something that could put potentially benefit you so extra thick rolled oats any yeah extra thick rolled you, oats any and um you you'll find some companies make an organic version of it that's even better uh, bob's red mill is a common brand if I, i'm not endorsing them i'm just uh, throwing that out there as a common one that most health food stores will have bob's red mill extra thick organic rolled oats got it done um and if that was three times a week that, that would do a wonderful job of helping knock down this score. If it was seven, is that a problem? No. Uh, if you want to go extreme, you can. <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. I also don't want you to burn out on the oats. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but, uh, and there's a ton of recipes online for how to make some interesting flavored uh, overnight oats. So that could be a, an easy cool. one to put together. Easy. Uh, about halfway down the page, we're going to see APOA1 and APOB. We didn't look at these on your previous test. These are new markers. The scientific community has known about these for more than 20 years. Uh, the medical community has been much slower to embrace them. I think in large part because to get the score to change, you need to change someone's lifestyle. And for most doctors, when someone comes in for a checkup, they run a, a blood test, the doctor's got five to 10 minutes to talk to that patient about their entire uh, physical and so they can't start talking about, well, how often do you eat fried foods and uh, how often are you eating processed meats and all those little details. But APOA1 tends to come up from doing healthy things. So if you work out regularly, uh, if you are avoiding those processed uh, junk food type things, whether it's meat or, or uh, sweets, um, uh, keeping some fresh fruits and vegetables coming in, uh, if you are having meat, looking for cleaner versions of things, if it's grass-fed red, uh, uh, red meat versus grain-fed, that helps APOA1. And so your APOA1 score, even though it's showing it going into the red, that's wonderful. And so it's just going into the red because it's an uncommonly high score. That's telling me that there's not a whole lot of cheating and, and uh, junk coming in. Some of the top athletes on the planet, I've seen some some pretty low scores here. And it's amazing what genetics can do there. There, there is a chunk of that where where someone performs well, and they're just going, "Well, I, I can get away with eating stuff uh, from fast food joints and and uh, you know the stuff I pick up in the junk food section of the supermarket." Um, but yeah, on your end, this was a terrific score, and ApoB was nice and low. The ratio between those two um, came back looking terrific. ApoB is the opposite of ApoA one all the junk stuff would drive this uh, score up and your score was nice and low. So this this APOB uh, to APOA1 ratio, that came back fantastic. Nice. I do, I again, do have quite a bit of sweets, so I'm going to probably try to limit that too because I I think that will probably help with the cholesterol as well. And and if we can drop that APOB even further, terrific. Um, cool. But yeah, this, this looked really solid. Nice. Um, and then the bottom left of the page, if we saw high scores here, that would be an issue. You had terrific scores there. Um, really the takeaway here is your testosterone was up, sex hormone binding globulin was down, that's amazing. ApoA1 was nice and high, ApoB was low. And the thing that would need some correction here would be, if we can work in some soluble fiber, maybe pull the sweets out or pull it back a bit, we'll knock that LDL cholesterol back into the green zone and uh, you'll have an A plus on this report. 
Love that. Um, the second page of it is just a summary of what we looked at on the first page. There's nothing new listed there. If I wanted to try to increase, you know, obviously we're in the green, but if I wanted to try to increase that testosterone level, is there anything that you would, would you recommend like hormone therapy? Would you recommend any certain type of nutrition I try to build into the diet to try to get that to be higher? So there are things we're going to come up on in just a bit that I think we could see this score and get a nice little bump. Uh, okay. But it, it did come up from the previous test already. So that's good. Okay. Moving on to this ion report. And so with this one, you don't want to see super low scores. The first nine, there's a really wide normal operating range here. And so even though it looks like four, five, nine are, are a little low, this is saying overall your protein intake has been adequate where you had most things covered. When we get down to line 10, though, that's too low of a score. And so arginine, uh, from a bodybuilding perspective, it's one of the most common supplements that gets used. Um, it does play a role in metabolizing both urea and ammonia, and we're, we'll see that coming up in two pages. It's going to be relisted in that section. It also plays a big role in circulation. In order for your blood vessels to relax and open up what's called vasodilation, this arginine comes into play. And so if we look at the next page, we'll, we'll kind of continue this conversation on the arginine. At line 18, right above that, we see vascular function. Well, I'd like to see these three scores kind of mid-range in the green zone. And what will happen is sometimes you'll end up with weirdly cold hands or feet if uh, any one of these things drops too low. Um, that arginine is one of the more common ones to see that happen with. And so it might make sense to work in more of the foods that have arginine. Uh, just naming some foods that have a significant amount, you do find a lot in collagen and gelatin. And so as a supplement, collagen could be an interesting one. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd also find a lot in walnuts, peanuts, sesame seeds, and pumpkin seeds. Uh, so kind of putting your own little trail mix together could be an easy way to help bump this score. And if you like oysters, they actually have a significant amount of arginine. Um, how often are you having any of those foods? Well, unfortunately, I mean, I since we worked together back in May of 01, I have had a handful of pumpkin seeds every morning with breakfast. So you're already doing that. <laughs> every, mor every morning. And I okay. have two scoops of collagen every day. So since we first started working together, I've had the two scoops of collagen and the, and the pumpkin seeds every day. So maybe... Maybe I need to look at some supplementation or something. And so that it may just be that for whatever reason, you're ripping through your arginine and, and uh, that is useful information and why you can't take this test and put a, you know, just for your listeners that when I'm discussing this test, there has to be a, a conversation, not right. a dictation of what to do. Right. And the reason why is just because if someone says, well, I'm eating those foods, this person, for whatever reason, whether it's genetics, the, some, uh, you know, their training is causing a big demand. Something is is really causing you to burn through your arginine. Uh, on the supplement end, um, what you would want to get is AAKG, and that's arginine alpha ketoglutarate. Um, if it just said L-arginine, it tastes pretty nasty, and this is something that will be a powder. Um, you do have to take a decent amount of it, and Usually the, each capsule is 500 milligrams and a reasonable serving size here would be three grams. So you'd have to take six capsules every day to get enough of it. The powder is much easier to do that with. Um, and so 
I think that's a simple call if you just wanted to throw something in where you get it taken care of. If you're, uh, what are you mixing the collagen in that you're taking? Either just with electrolytes or coffee. Okay. And so, yeah, you can throw a scoop of arginine in with that, and that AAKG version of it won't taste bad. The regular L-arginine, you'll know the difference if you buy it and throw that in there because you're going to go, wow, this does not taste good. So I want, so. and I want 3,000 milligrams a day? Yeah. Okay. And um, you'll see bodybuilding forums talking about 10 and 15 grams of arginine. That's an insane amount. You don't do that. <laughs> More is not necessarily better. We just need to see this into the green zone. Uh, for a lot of athletes, they find that there's an improvement in testosterone from fixing that. And I hate to go off of correlation rather than causation, but the research with arginine and testosterone, you'll see some studies show that there's a benefit, other ones don't. I think in large part, what's happened is if someone's low in arginine and they're involved in a study and you give it to them, they see that bump in testosterone. But if someone was already in the green and you give them more, nothing happens. So I'm looking at... Thorn. I try to do all my supplementation through Thorn, and I'm seeing yeah, that have... would be fine. I know um, there's also a company called NutraBio, and I'm not trying to give them a shout out here, but it's a, a NutraBio. If you're not a drug tested athlete, it's an interesting company because um, the Japanese and the American produced amino acids are are cleaner than the products that come from other uh, overseas areas, and uh, there's just a little concern of what else ended up in that arginine that maybe you don't want if it's not either Japanese or U.S. manufactured. And NutraBio is either Japanese or U.S. manufactured, depending on which amino acid it is. Um, again, they, do not, they don't make the sports-certified versions of those just because there's a charge to, to produce something that's NSF-certified for sport. They, yeah. they have to pay per batch. Right. And so for a drug tested athlete, usually that sports certification is part of their contract. Yeah. And so uh, you can't just go buy in the, the NutraBio version uh, if you're a drug tested athlete. So I'm looking up, it's uh, Nutra, N-U-T-R-A, Bio, B-I-O. Yeah. And you'll see A-A-K-G. Um, for whatever reason, uh, uh, Amazon seems to run out of it fairly frequently, but uh, other online places are a little more consistent with that. Yeah, because I'm looking, at, I'm looking on Amazon and I can't find it here. But basically. yeah, so if you just search NutraBio AAKG, you should find that uh, as a Google search um, pretty easily. Got it. And if I'm putting the chat here, I sent you a link on the, in the chat. I think that's the one. I just want to confirm that that's the one. Or I can share my screen and then we can swap here. But so the... Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. Perfect. On it. Thank you. All right. So um, moving down the page, we get to the first part where the psychology side is going to come into play. And so we see the score at 21 coming back kind of in the mid range. 22 was a very low score. If we look to the right hand column at the top right of this report, we're going to see that it says 95% reference range up there. And what the lab is doing is they don't have the ability to tell you what a healthy amount of tyrosine is to have in your system. Uh, the FDA considers this to be fairly exotic and something that maybe at the university level would be researched, but in a clinical setting, they don't have any guidance to provide to say, well, here's a healthy amount of tyrosine. So what the lab is doing is they're just saying out of the millions of tests they've run, 
95 out of every 100 tests have fallen between these two numbers. So they're just running some stats on what they've got. And so the 95th lowest person for tyrosine off to the right was a 6.5. Well, if we look at your score, you are that 95th lowest person. And that's not ideal. Uh, from that point of view, the reason why is if you remember phenylalanine and tyrosine, just kind of remembering those, those two names, I'm going to float, throw a flowchart up on the screen just to um, kind of uh, go into detail on, on what this is. But um, on this flowchart, uh, this is something I put together for one of the presentations that I did. And so on the far left of this, we see phenylalanine, and just to the right of it, we'll see tyrosine. Your phenylalanine was pretty good. The tyrosine, you were the 95th lowest person. You didn't have an issue with iron. We have a little lightning bolt in between there that you need some iron to make this conversion. This flowchart, even though it may look a little complex, I had to pull a bunch of things out of here and I get rid of, got rid of the curved arrows where there were enzymes and things involved. And the bottom line is there's a certain rate that you can make this conversion from phenylalanine to tyrosine. If your demand for tyrosine is greater than that rate of conversion, you're going to see the scores start to drop, even if the phenylalanine is present. And so the issue there is, if we look at what's made from tyrosine, heading across the page, we see dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine. These are really important neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. That epinephrine, uh, that's what everyone calls adrenaline. And so if you're pushing hard workout, anything where you're intentionally or unintentionally pushing yourself into that fight or flight space to to train hard or or you are dealing with pressure, um, there's going to be a lot of that being generated. Well, that that's kind of like pushing down on the gas pedal here and you're going to end up burning through your tyrosine faster. Mm. So what's happened is whatever was going on here with dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine, it was putting enough of a demand that you ran out of this resource, this tyrosine that you needed to keep supplying this. Um, with food sources of tyrosine, turkey does have a significant amount. Um, uh, with turkey, I know uh, a lot of people are like, oh, it's dry, but you can get uh, clean versions of turkey bacon or turkey sausage. Um, you could do a, a ground turkey for a, a burger. Uh, if you wanted to try some turkey jerky, uh, how often do you have turkey right now? Mm. Not consistent. I mean, we have it in the house. Um, I'd say not consistently. I'd say maybe twice a week. Okay. Uh, um, so that could be an easy thing to just work in more regularly. Okay. Um, most grass-fed animals do have a significant amount of tyrosine. Um, so this could be grass-fed beef. Bison technically has the most, but uh, how often are you having grass-fed beef? Almost daily. Okay, so you're already doing that. Yeah, I got um, I, 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 I got a I got a freezer full of just straight Arizona grass-fed beef that I probably eat every day. And then if I do get my macro meal delivery service, it's always bison. So it's one of those two that okay. I'm every day. So you're already doing the things from a food perspective that would help to provide this. Mm -hmm. On the intensity end of things, um, how hard are you pushing yourself uh, with anything that you're doing? You know, it's interesting that we're having this conversation when you talk about the, the 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 fight or flight deal is I don't feel like I'm training very hard, um, but I have two kids. I'm running a business that's that's biggest it's ever been. 
and my day is jam packed from the time I wake up at five until I go to bed at eight. And it's, and I have very little wiggle room for error in the sense of everything is super structured and, and, and scheduled. So, you know, it's, you're like the third person in the last week or so who is, you know, looking at tests and going, man, you're like stuck in your, in your fight or flight mode at the highest level. Like, why is that happening? Interesting. But I don't feel um, stressed. I feel great. But I think I just maybe am well adjusted to being in that in that state, you know, because it's been like that for a while. Okay. Um, so you can usually tell on the epinephrine side if you're making a lot, if it's not from a workout, because anything that gets your heart rate elevated when you're not exercising. So if if you have something that's coming up that you're like, oh, man, I don't want to deal with this. And your heart rate starts to come up just from thinking about it. That's epinephrine that's causing that response. And I'm just kind of looking at this as the end product. It could also be dopamine or norepinephrine. Um, uh, dopamine, uh, you know, a lot of, um, from a, a relaxation perspective, a lot of athletes will um, end up with uh, some marijuana-related product as part of their routine. Uh, that does cause you to produce a fair amount of dopamine, which is why they feel good when they do it. Um, and that puts a demand for tyrosine. So sometimes the combination of having some stress and anything in that space can put a drain. And I don't know if that applies here, but no, I mean, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a user of marijuana. I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to okay. starting if that's something that's going to help me. But oh I'm no, a, you don't. Uh, so this but is I'm not, not a user. You have. Yeah, no, I'm not a user. <laughs> I'm not a user of that on a consistent basis. Okay. Um, but. Uh, what you can look at to kind of get an idea of what's happening with this pathway is if we look at the bottom of the long green arrows, we see homovanillate. Um, I'll just refer to these as H3 and V, the three on the bottom. And so if we're looking for the H3 and V, and if I go back to your test results, and if we cheat, and I don't want to confuse people that are um, uh, uh, watching this, but uh, let's see, it's going to be on this page. So the H is that line 24. We're seeing a low score. Um, the three was 25, which that was a reasonable score, but the V is at uh, 23. So the vanomandolate and homovanolate, you know, if we're going back to that with the knowledge that these are low scores, uh, you know, the homovanolate is under dopamine. That's what dopamine gets metabolized into. The vanomandolate would be what epinephrine gets metabolized into. What will happen is if you've been short on tyrosine for an extended period of time, you start to shut down your ability to produce these things. So you'll see the scores drop because there's less production of it because you're just missing the raw materials. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening on, on that tyrosine is we're just running out of raw materials. We're seeing a drop in production of these. You can get tyrosine as a supplement. And if I go back to the test results here and we're looking at line 22, um, I would say that that could be a consideration if you're having some uh, grass-fed red meat on a regular basis, the turkey once in a while. I'm just naming some other things. Um, firm tofu actually has a lot of tyrosine, and cottage cheese has a lot. If you like either of those, yeah, love. I have, but, I love cottage cheese. Wait, what's that? I love cottage cheese. Okay, how often do you have that? Mm, I mean, I was having it, and then I then then I I was trying to get away from gluten and dairy. Um, because I had a gut health test and it was like, Hey, try to minimize gluten and dairy. So I've gotten away from it, but I'm, I'm, I, I do like it and we'll bring it back. Okay. And it, sometimes it's just moderation on something. And 
you know, if you're uh, having it every day, you know, you start to run into a different situation than if it's a few times a week. Yeah. But uh, either way, they would help with the tyrosine. It is sold as L-tyrosine. And this one, you don't need to get any exotic uh, version of it. That same Nutra Bio brand, since you're not being drug tested for any sport, it just uh, is a, a nice, clean version of that. Um, but uh, a reasonable dose on this would be one to two grams per day, 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams. Start with 1,000 and see how you feel. If you feel a lot better taking it, great. I don't think you need to move it up from there. And you don't feel much from the 1,000, move it up to 2,000. So you'd, you'd recommend the, oh boy. Uh, the, the Nutribio high Yeah. And Nutribio, again, I, I don't, um, have a favorite company. It's simply that that's either U S or Japanese manufactured amino acids. They kind of specialize in amino acids. Um, it's a, an easy recommendation for any non-drug tested athlete, just because it is, uh, made in, in extremely clean conditions. And so, so if, if, you know, Thorne being NSF certified, if I were an athlete, I would want to just find somebody that's NSF certified and Thorne would be the place I would probably start. Yeah. And I don't know if Thorne makes, um, tyrosine, if they offer that as a supplement, but, uh, the Thorn product line, some of their products are NSF certified for sports, some are not. You just want to see that NSF sport certification on there uh, if you are in a drug-tested sport. Now they have L-tyrosine. Is that the same? That's that's it. Yeah. L-tyrosine is the same. Yeah. Okay. And so L-tyrosine and tyrosine are the same. And you said 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day. Yeah. That would be a, an easy solution here. Again, there's a really wide normal operating range. So uh, the other things here being high or low are pretty normal. It looked like your protein intake was good overall outside of the tyrosine on that page. This next page, we see the arginine relisted one more time at line 31. Uh, you need everything in this section in order for the urea cycle to function correctly and, and um, in order to metabolize ammonia. And so, but arginine being low, um, we're kind of missing the uh, one of the raw materials that would be used in this process. And from a recovery point of view, these things are just waste products that are continually produced all day long. You can take them and turn them back into energy. And, and so there's that arginine would play an integral role in that process. So uh, you may feel a little bump in energy if we did that AAKG as a supplement. Cool. Um, down the page, uh, the scores here look pretty good. The one that was a little too low was at line 44. And so right above 44, we see collagen-related amino acids. You do find a little proline in collagen, but it's used in the production of it more so than, than it's something you're going to get from eating collagen. In order to repair tendon and ligament, you need proline. And uh, this also applies to the smooth lining of a joint. All of that stuff, proline is required. Uh, with food sources of this, I know you said you, you aren't having too much dairy, but again, cottage cheese does have a lot of proline in it. That's actually the number one food outside of collagen having some. And then you'd also find a lot in cream cheese. And so putting a little cream cheese on a bagel could be a simple way to do this. Uh, as an interesting side story on this one, I had an NFL player, a uh, very uh, successful player, but always managed to get hurt at some point during the season. 
And the proline score had been consistently coming back low. Um, we ended up uh, uh, having a long discussion about proline and how that may be part of his problem with the injuries. And uh, we ended up retesting him and he was having a beautiful season, hadn't been hurt. And his proline score was nice and high into the high end of the green zone. And he said, you're not going to like how I fix this. I'm like, oh, no, what, what do we have here? And he was eating three pieces of cheesecake a week, which that was his solution to get in the cream cheese. Now, that's not the advised way to fix this, but it's a way that you would get some cream cheese in. Um, if you're putting some cream cheese on a bagel, though, that could be a simple fix. Yeah, I think I'll probably put put cottage cheese. I'll, I'll probably go the cottage cheese route. Can I get a proline supplement, too? Just to kind you of sell it as a supplement, but if you're going to throw a little cottage cheese uh, into your routine, I don't think you're going to need anything. Um, uh, weirdly enough, cottage cheese blends really easily in a shake. So if you do do a smoothie or something like that, um, you can take a heaping spoonful of it and throw it in there. And uh, that's a really simple way to make sure you got a big dose of, of proline. Okay. On the following page, this beta alanine at line 46. Um, you find that in a lot of pre-workout formulas. And so uh, the issue there would be that if someone already has a high score and you add more beta alanine, you're going to get a really weird tingly feeling that uh, feels uh, kind of itchy. Uh, and I don't know if you've taken a pre-workout, but um, does that ever happen to you? Yeah, I, I supplement with, with beta alanine because I really like that skin itch. Maybe, <laughs> okay. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm doing it too much. I feel like it wakes me up before I work out. And so the, there's not going to be a problem if this is a little high. It's just uh, if an athlete is unprepared for that. And I've had uh, a beach volleyball player that uh, we had discussed how beta alanine would benefit him. And he had never taken it before. And he got in a tournament, made it to the finals. Yeah. Uh, ended up taking six capsules because he didn't know what dose to take. And he was in a hurry and wanted to feel better. And uh, he said it felt like a... a the whole colony of ants came crawling out of the sand and was crawling all over him. And he said he thought he was going to die. Yeah, that's um, So it's not one to experiment with right before a big event. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been supplementing beta alanine for years and I, the skin itch is something that I, I, I enjoy. So I know I, I figured that might be high because I take that almost daily. Okay. You probably don't need as much as what you're taking, but um, yeah, you had plenty of it. So that's not in short supply. And then down the page, um, the score at 54 was fine, but 51, that's that ratio between phenylalanine and tyrosine. And the reason that I have that uh, as a, a marker that gets looked at is because if we go back to that flowchart, if we're seeing a high score for phenylalanine, that should easily be able to convert into tyrosine if the demand is not substantial. And this is just telling me that there's been a pretty big demand and that rate that you can make that conversion, there's a rate limiting step in there that you'll see tyrosine drop, even though the phenylalanine stays okay, just because you can't make it fast enough. So that's interesting that that ratio came back up into the red zone at line 51. And uh, we should be able to get that straightened out um, by including more of the foods that have tyrosine as well as the supplement. So nothing I need to do from phenylalanine then? No, no, the phenylalanine score was actually good. Um, on this following page, uh, so with the homocysteine, beautiful score there, homocysteine would be a cardiovascular risk factor. If this was a high score, uh, you didn't have any problem here. 
with the uh, minerals that we're looking at it from lines one through six, beautiful scores. Uh, the little slightly elevated selenium score is a non-issue. If someone was running out of something in this area, that would be a problem. Are you taking any supplements that might have magnesium or zinc or something yeah. in it? Or yeah, I take a, you, you had mentioned for me back in 01 to take a magnesium bisclinate every night. So I take that as part of my PM supplements. Okay, so if I go back to your old test, and uh, let me make this a little bigger for anyone looking at this. So this RBC magnesium at line 15, um, RBC just stands for red blood cell. Those are your erythrocytes. They last for about three months. And so this is giving us a nice picture of what uh, your uh, magnesium score was over the three months prior to the test. This is the old test. And if we're looking at, well, where did that end up now? Um, we're seeing that that magnesium score came up substantially. You're at the top end of the green zone. The units have changed, so don't go off the number here, but um, uh, if we're looking at where that black diamond is, you are at the, the better end of the range. Um, also, for anyone that's listening to this, each of the vertical lines going from left to right, from the red to the yellow green across the page, represents about 20% of the population. And so if we're looking at where your score is, you're approaching the 80th percentile for magnesium now, which wonderful. Uh, you didn't have any problem here. So uh, I would say let's keep that going because that's that's right where you want to be. Okay. Um, normally with the foods that would have magnesium, pumpkin seeds do have the most. So that may have been contributing too if you're starting the day with a handful of those. Yep. Um, down the page, the toxic element section looked good. Um, line seven through 10, no problems there at all. If we go back to your old report and I kind of speed through when we get to that section of the test, on the previous test, line eight, the arsenic and line 11, the mercury, were kind of going into the, on the borderline of the red zone. And if we're looking at where those are now, um, the arsenic is at line seven and the mercury is at line 10. These are mid-range or lower. So you knocked out those two problems. Um, that may have contributed to that testosterone score coming up a bit too. Um, with uh, fish, how often are you having any of the big predatory fish? Tuna, swordfish, halibut, sea bass, grouper? Maybe, maybe once every two weeks. Okay. I would just say let's limit it to that because this is working. Uh, this was a good score and we don't have an issue here. Uh, if the mercury was climbing into the red, that would be a problem. And mercury interferes with neuromuscular function, can cause some anxiety. Uh, as I said, messes with testosterone. So uh, this was nice that that came down. On the following page, line three, the gamma tocopherol came back a bit on the low side. Um, this is one of your main free radical scavengers. Uh, as far as food sources with that, there's eight foods that have a huge amount of it. Uh, they're all kind of tied for the top area, and then there's a big drop-off after those first eight. And so those foods would be red bell peppers, walnuts, raw onions, pistachios, raspberries, again, our friend the pumpkin seeds, pecans, and green peas. And so outside of the pumpkin seeds, how often do you have any of those other foods? Uh, can you list those one more time just quickly? Yeah, so red bell peppers, walnuts, raw onions, pistachios, raspberries, pumpkin seeds, pecans, and green peas. Mm. 
Red bell peppers and raw onions, not often, not often raw. I mean, I, I occasionally red bell peppers, but not not within probably the two, three months leading up to this test. Okay. Not a ton. Um, so working in any of those uh, a little more frequently would help to bump this score. This is usually pretty easy to fix. Um, bell peppers. Well, give me give me the other ones. I'm sorry. Yeah, so um, and I know you can uh, go listen to this later, but it's going to be the red bell peppers, walnuts, raw onions, pistachios, and then raspberries, pumpkin seeds, pecans, and green peas. Okay, got it. And the reason you want these is because um, this gamma-tocopherol, it helps to kind of... Uh, clear out the substances that would cause some damage. And so free radicals will take a little chunk out of some cells, things that you don't want to see damaged and kind of accelerates the aging process. And if we can put the brakes on that, that's always an advantage. Um, a lot of times you'll see this score drop if someone's getting exposed to something just because of using some aggressive cleaners in the household. Um, in the military, you see scores drop just because people that refuel planes or, or they're around some heavy duty solvents um, in racing, uh, you know, the work I've done with uh, Formula One or other uh, racing uh, entities, there's always some nasty solvents that are used in the pit area. And the, uh, the people that are around that all the time end up with a very low score for this. Um, is there anything that you're around that has a strong kind of chemical scent to it? Um, examples would be ammonia, bleach, uh, you know, any of the brake cleaning solvents, things like that. Um, can you think of anything in that space? Not really. Um, okay. Other than just cleaning the kitchen counter with a spray, but nothing I can think of there. Okay. Um, and so you may even want to look at that spray and see what's in it, because sometimes if it's something aggressive, that will result in a drop in your scores. Um, it could also be you just didn't eat a whole lot of the foods that have it. And <laughs> that's a, a very good possibility. Um from a health point of view, easy uh, solution here is just to work any of those foods in a little more frequently. Yeah, I'm thinking like I'm going to have a morning breakfast, oatmeal with cottage cheese, walnuts, pecans, pumpkin seeds, raspberries. That works. <laughs> That's a, We're putting together a good meal here. Cool. And then at line six, the glutathione score came back pretty low. Um, this is one that is a new addition to the test. This wasn't in the old version of it. Um, glutathione is the one that you hear about if uh, you have a friend that goes to Las Vegas and they party all night long and they've got a horrible hangover the next day and there's nurses that will come to your hotel room and do an IV of glutathione. This is not a healthy thing to do, but the reason they do it is because that glutathione helps to metabolize any toxin, clear it from your system. And so uh, that person that was uh, feeling horrible all of a sudden has a recovery and is able to go out and do the same stupid thing again the next night, which isn't good, but it's just that's why there are those people that uh, do IVs of glutathione. Um, as far as alcohol metabolism, this glutathione does play a key role. And so if this is low, alcohol will hit you a little more than it should. And I don't know on that front how often you have alcohol or if you notice any impact from it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, haven't had a drink in 30 days, but but uh, before that, I mean, it was probably two, three times a week and definitely noticing like hungover more and 
don't handle as much as I used to. So this would make sense. Okay. And so uh, the sulfur containing foods do a, a nice job of helping to bring up this score. And so anything, I know I mentioned raw onions would have that gamma tocopherol, but uh, um, things that have a strong scent that are vegetables tend to have a lot of sulfur. And so garlic would be in that category. If you like onions, the red onions would have the most, but that would help to bump this score. Uh, you do find a decent amount of sulfur in asparagus. And even though the asparagus doesn't smell uh, in its regular state, uh, after you have it, that's what makes your urine smell different is the sulfur that you're excreting. But okay. um, uh, anyway, those could help. If you just wanted to get a supplement that would bump this score really quickly, you would get this stuff called NAC. And a good dose on NAC would be between 500 and 600 milligrams. Um, that Thorn product line, uh, they do have a, a 500 milligram NAC that works great to fix this. I like NAC better than glutathione as a supplement. And the reason why is because glutathione doesn't pass through the digestive system very successfully. And you'll end up seeing that uh, someone will take the supplement, they don't see their score change. Um, that NAC passes the digestive system well, gets absorbed and it's immediately converted into glutathione at the liver. So you bump your production of glutathione uh, rather than taking glutathione that isn't going to make it past your stomach. So, so uh, to increase a lot of the so to, so to increase, increase glutathione, take NAC. Yeah, and and like I said, five hundred milligrams is a good dose on that. Uh, if you see six hundred, that's fine too. Uh, for some people, they'll preload if they know they're going to go out and drink a little bit, and they'll have, uh, you know, let's say the meal before they're they're going out, they'll end up taking an NAC with that, and they'll take an NAC the next morning with breakfast, and they kind of make sure they've got all the tools their liver is going to need to get the alcohol out. Yeah. Not that I'm encouraging someone drinking a lot. <laughs> um, all right, the other scores here looked good. Uh, down at the bottom of the page, um, this big name there, uh, this is uh, your vitamin D at line nine. And so you wanna be in that recommended range and you will fell right into that range. Are you taking a vitamin D supplement right now? Yeah, 5,000 a day. Keep it going, cause you're right on target there. Um, this was wonderful. Actually, I don't recall where your vitamin D was on your last report. Uh, so you were a little below the range. This is a better score now, but uh, either way, if we can uh, uh, keep the 5,000 IU going, um, this would be a wonderful. Vitamin D does play a key role uh, in repair of tendon, ligament. Um, obviously, bone uh, vitamin D improves the density of uh, bone. So from should, I take, a, should I take 10,000 a day? No, this was good. Um, this, you were right in the recommended range. So this is right where you want to be. Okay. On the following page, your omega-3s look good. All of these were in the green zone. When we get down to line seven, um, that gamma linolenic acid, these are all fatty acids. Uh, it was so low that they didn't find any. So they put below detectable levels for your score here. Uh, that's not good if the lab isn't detecting any of it. And so that's basically saying you're a, a huge outlier on this score. Um, I'm gonna discuss that gamma linolenic acid by using a flow chart for this. Um, and so I'm gonna uh, go back to uh, uh, 
let me put this up on the screen. And so um, with this flowchart, um, a little to the left of center, we'll see GLA. That's the gamma linolenic acid. The reason you want it is because your body can turn that into the thing to the right where we see DGLA. And up that long green arrow, we see beneficial hormones. Well, you need this gamma linolenic acid to make the dihomogamma-linolenic acid, the DGLA, in order to produce testosterone, growth hormone, all these things that from a sports performance perspective are going to be a big benefit. An additional benefit that we would see from fixing this is the stubby little green arrow pointing directly to the right that this would help lower that LDL cholesterol score. So when I was saying there's a secondary reason for working in the oats that would that would help with the cholesterol and that we wouldn't want to do instant oats. Um, the reason why is if we look at the what's pointing toward that box with the GLA, we'll see GLA found in slow cooking uh, oatmeal. So this would be the overnight oats or the oats that take 10 minutes to cook if you put them on the stove. And those extra thick rolled oats would actually have a significant amount of that GLA in there. Um, with the linoleic acid on the far left, that would also um, help. There is a, a little bit of a, a conversion that needs to be made here. This delta-60 saturase enzyme is involved in that conversion. If someone's taking a bunch of anti-inflammatories, the NSAIDs, it, you'll end up finding that that inhibits that enzyme. So uh, minimizing the use of those could potentially help the GLA score. But uh, with linoleic acid on the left, walnuts actually have a very significant amount of that. I know I mentioned them with the gamma tocopherol and the arginine. And, uh, walnuts would be, actually have a few of the things that you needed. Um, ultimately, what would happen is you'd want to be able to make this DGLA that's on the far right. So if we were to work, you know, maybe if we're talking about that breakfast idea with uh, the, the oats and if you threw some walnuts into that, and a little to the right of the box that says DGLA, we'll see that powdered blue box where we see that it would also be found in currants. And currants are like little miniature raisins. And so that could be worth throwing into the, the mix as well. And you can get a big bag of currants on Amazon for 10 bucks. So that's easy. Okay. Um, I think we're coming up with an interesting meal here that will fix a handful of things that you needed. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the other, I, I skipped over the, the two bright green boxes up this flow chart, but where we see increased lean body mass, that's that you would put on some muscle if we can produce more of those hormones and the decreased percent body fat. Um, most athletes aren't going to complain if they pack on some muscle and lose some fat uh, just by fixing something in their diet. Now, is there anything, any valid in supplementation there? So, uh, there are products that would have that um, evening primrose oil, borage oil. I know the the mention of, uh, if I'm going back to that flow chart, that powder blue box where we see that black currant oil would directly have that in there. Ultimately, that's the one that you want to see change, even though we're we're kind of focused on the GLA being at detectable levels and, and right now is super low. But if we fix the DGLA score, that's really what gives you the materials you need to make those hormones. That black currant oil could be worth uh, working in if you were looking for a fix here. Um, a company called Now, N-O-W, is a common uh, brand. Uh, they do make a 1,000 milligram black currant oil. Uh, they also have a 500 milligram one. 
a good dose would be 1000 milligrams, but my hesitation on that is just, it's a pretty big capsule. And if anyone has any difficulty swallowing pills, somehow this one always seems to lodge in their throat. Uh, the 500 milligram one, I don't get those complaints. So uh, if you were to do that, it would just be two of the 500 milligram. But um, that could be an easy way to bump this DGLA score and have the raw materials to make these things. On it. Again, this is specific to you. So it's, um, you know, if we're looking at what's needed here, it may be different for someone else. It's just in your case, that, that would be a, a, a way to fix this. Love it. All right. The low scores at 10 and 11 are good scores. This arachidonic acid, um, if I go back to that same flowchart and we look for arachidonic acid, the third box from the bottom right, we're going to see arachidonic acid. Your score was super low, which is good because that's if we look at the things below that, no one wants these, and especially the bottom right-hand corner where we see increased inflammation and perception of pain. For an elite athlete, that's the last thing you want. And so a low score is a better score. If we look at the box right above it, we're going to see where it's uh, likely found, which the high-fat grain-fed beef, this would be junky stuff that's in a lot of the uh, fast food hamburgers and things like that. Um, if you're eating grass-fed stuff that you got from a ranch in Arizona, um, that's uh, we're not going to have a concern there. In order for the egg yolks to be a problem, you would have to be having a half dozen of them or more per day. And organ meats would be things like liver. Uh, if you're not eating a huge amount of that, this wouldn't be an issue. I never saw a Liver King's uh, uh, score for this, but it probably wasn't good. <laughs> so... From that perspective, uh, uh, this arachidonic acid, you want it to be low. And if we look at your score, you're below the 95th lowest person. So this was actually a terrific way to be below something and, and have it be a positive. But line 10 was terrific. Uh, line 11 is associated with it. And uh, it just uh, is a testament to you not eating junky red meat. Nice. The monounsaturated fats from 13 through 17 beautiful scores here. Um, I don't have any problem with a couple of red H's, but monounsaturated fats, you find in avocado, olives, uh, most nuts have some, something you're eating had a decent amount. And they're fats that you use for energy. They're considered to be healthy and, and this looked great. So uh, how often do you have avocado or olives? Mm, once or twice a week, but I will supplement a fish oil every day. Okay, and that would have been reflected up with the omega-3s. So, yeah, yeah your omega-3s look terrific there. Omega. Um, oh, go ahead. Omega-9s, okay, that high? And so, yeah, if we're looking at the um, the scores from uh, 13 through 17, these these were good scores. These Again, they're fats that are just involved in energy production. There's no disease state associated with these, and, and this looked rock solid. With the saturated fats, there used to be some thinking that high scores would put your risk for heart disease. Science has kind of wandered away from that. Um, the stearic acid at line 19, uh, there is some evidence that that can help to prevent, prevent the spread of cancer. So this was actually a good score. The low scores at 20 and 21 are terrific. Um, these are scores that would rise if someone was having a bunch of grain-fed, junky red meat. You had a nice low score there. What's interesting is that line 22, um, I never used to see the score low before COVID. 
And now I'm seeing it low pretty often. And I know there's a lot of um, infighting about COVID and vaccines and all that. And it, my only thing is, after someone either gets vaccinated or have COVID, you see that lignoceric acid score drop. If you get in the foods that have it, it comes back up. The issue would be that that lignoceric acid is used to produce these things called sphingolipids that would be on nerve fiber membrane. And so a low score here is potentially something that would make it so your nervous system wouldn't function the way it should. And just from empirical evidence, when someone complains that they've lost their sense of taste or smell uh, after having COVID, it's almost always tied to this lignoceric acid score being low. And when we bring it up, that problem goes away. I can't tell you the relationship there. There's probably people that are going to listen to this at some point and go, I can tell you why. But <laughs> on that front, I'm just going with correlation instead of causation. And um, I'd like to see a higher score here just to give you a little buffer before having a low score. With food sources, the two most concentrated sources are peanuts or macadamia nuts. And so with the peanuts, this would be peanut butter, uh, would have to be the old fashioned kind with some oil on the top. Um, how often do you have peanuts or peanut butter? Mm, maybe twice a week. Okay. And is it the type with the oil on the top? Not usually. Okay. And so when they remove that oil, the lignoceric acid goes with it. And so a lot of companies, uh, especially Jif and Skippy, they kind of want to make it so it's easy to use. You don't have to stir it up. And they've uh, filtered off the, the part that would kind of settle on the top. And, and they've mixed in other things to kind of make it stay creamy. Um, you'd want to get the old-fashioned kind that uh, if you look at the container from the side, you can see some oil kind of swishing back and forth on the top. Um, it wouldn't matter whether it's uh, smooth or nutty, uh, uh, crunchy, whatever, any of those would be fine. Um, and then macadamia nuts, we're just talking a couple of macadamia nuts three times a week. It would not take a lot. Macadamia nuts have a significant amount of this fat in there. Um, so either a spoonful of peanut butter, a little tiny handful of peanuts, or a couple of macadamia nuts three times a week. That would fix this. Um, with the on-chain fats, good scores here. I didn't see any issues with that. Um, the rest of this page actually looked, the, the scores that were high were things that uh, were kind of expected to be high. So let's say at line 28, um, the LA to DGLA ratio came back somewhat elevated. If that goes so that it has a red H on it, which you're 0.2 points away from having a red H on this one, we always find hormone production starts to get shut down from that. And this is just a high score. And back on that flowchart, the LA on this flowchart is the linoleic acid on the far left. The DGLA is the one right before the long green arrow. So we're just looking at the ratio between those two. And we're just seeing that that DGLA score is, is fairly low. Um, it's just fallout from not having enough GLA. And if we get in some black currant oil or if you're working in the oats, we're going to get this pathway uh, charged back up where it should be. So that's going to be a relatively easy fix to knock down the score at line 28. We've already got the things in place to do that. Okay. Um, all right. And, and the thing at 31 is just the ratio between omega-3s and some other fats. Uh, this score is not a problem. 
with the things associated with energy production, lines one through 12 actually looked really solid. Um, even though the lab puts a, a yellow and a red zone at the low end of the range, uh, low scores here are not an issue. Um, for elite athletes, you want to see these scores low and, and you're right in that space where they should be. There wasn't any problem there. Um, lines 13 through 20, these would rise if you were running out of some an assortment of B vitamins. Are you taking a B complex or a multivitamin? I'm taking the Thorn B complex, yep. All right. So that's why this is your needs have been met. Um, there wasn't a single thing coming back in the yellow and, and especially not in the red on the right hand side. And so this looked terrific. Um, I would say let's keep that routine going because uh, there was no need here. Um, lines 21 and 22 would rise if you were running out of B12 or folate. Didn't have that problem. And the reason I'm looking at some of these markers at, let's say, uh, at line 21, that's a marker that would start to rise if you're running out of the methylated form of B12. And it's interesting to look at because if we just looked at B12, we would see what happened the night before the test. If you didn't eat some red meat the night before, you might have a low score for B12. If you ate a bunch of it, you might see a high score. And I don't want to know what happened right before the test. I want to get a little longer term picture. And that methylmalinate is an interesting marker to look at from that perspective because it would be high if you were missing that methylated form of B12. Your score was terrific. So the red meat that you've been having has uh, supplied some B12 and you're looking rock solid here. Um, moving down the page, we talked about lines 23 and 24. Those would be the vanomandolate and homovanolate that were over on this part, the, the homovanolate being under the middle long green arrow and the vanomandolate being under the right-hand long green arrow. And so we're just seeing that production of dopamine and epinephrine, the two that are over the, the H and the V, I'll call it. Uh, if we look at the H and the V back here, we're just seeing they're, they're low and it's just saying, yeah, kind of, we're running toward the low end on the production side of it. If we get in the tyrosine, you've got the things you needed to fix this. Cool. I've been taking tyrosine too, though. Oh, you have? Yes. Um, give me one second to confirm that. Because we talked about me taking L-tyrosine last time. So I was taking that, and I've been consistent with taking that, the L-tyrosine from Thorne. Maybe I'm not taking enough, but I've been taking that for years. Okay, what dosage are you taking? Mm, I am taking... You know, go back to your old 500, 500 milligrams. Okay, so that's a pretty small dose. Um, and so let's see, where is your old score? So, yeah, you're right. At line 17, it was low before. Um, and so this is something that's been going on for a while. 500 milligrams is, is probably not enough to cover this. All right, start taking it and towards so 2000, maybe. Yeah, let, let's start with 1,000 before you move up. If you take the 1,000 and you're feeling good, I think we're set there. Um, I, I always would rather see someone take less than more if they can get a, uh, get it to work. So uh, as, as far as safety, though, 2,000 milligrams is going to be safe to take. Okay. Um, the other scores here were good. Uh, lines 27 through 30, uh, good scores. Um 31 would rise if you were running out of vitamin C, and this looked really solid, so no problem there. 
um, in the toxicants and detoxification section from 32 through uh, 36. Beautiful scores here. Someone was partying really hard. We'd see a bunch of high scores and doesn't look like there was wild partying going on here. So that was good. And then with this last section of the test, um, lines 37 through uh, 43, if we saw scores going into the red zone on the right-hand side, it would just indicate that there was an overgrowth of some undesirable microbes in the gut. Um, the same with 44 through 46, this would be associated with either yeast or fungus. And if they were going into the red zone, that's where we'd have a conversation. These were very normal scores. It was, I'll say, interesting at line 47 that that glycerate score was a little elevated. Um, so glycerate, uh, right above that, we see oxalates. If this marker is high, there's a tiny bit of risk of kidney stones associated with it. You'll tend to see this score pull back. If you cut back on spinach or almonds, rhubarb also would drive that score up, but rhubarb is not common to run into. Um, how often do you have spinach or almonds? Not Mario. Uh, almond butter. Oh, that would do it. Uh, how often is that? Maybe three times a week, but spinach rarely. Okay, uh, maybe dial back on the almond butter. Just we're, we're seeing a slightly elevated score there and no sense in having any increased risk of kidney stones. Normally spinach and almonds are super healthy foods to work in. It's simply because of this elevated score that it's worth uh, mentioning that. Okay. Um, this the, wouldn't play a... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was gonna ask you about the gut health. So if you go back up to that gut health, so you're... Based off of this blood sample, my gut health looks pretty good then. Yeah, and this would be from the urine part of the test. And, and what we're looking at are the markers that would be um, produced by some undesirable bacteria. Mm -hmm. uh, you can nail down, well, okay, these are the things that are associated with the bad guys. And if there's a lot of this being produced, your intestines would absorb it. You'd see a lot of it getting excreted by your kidneys, so it would end up in your urine. And so it's a way to kind of tell, well, what's going on in the gut? And if we saw, uh, usually if someone's got some major issues, you'll see, see things coming back on the right-hand side of the red zone, and you didn't have that. Got it. Um, on the hydration end, how are you doing with water throughout the day? I mean, trying to drink a gallon a day, so I'm pretty consistent with it. I drink a lot. Okay. And one of my reasons for asking is we'd see line 47 come down if you uh, make sure you're staying hydrated. Let's pull the almond butter back. And if you want to throw some peanut butter in that has the oil on the top, that would be, a, I think, a better match for you specifically. I, I, you know, if someone's listening to this, almond butter is normally not a problem. It's just only because you had an elevated score. Uh, reducing oxalate exposure would be a benefit here. Okay. And then the remainder of the test is just summary stuff. The creatinine, so the, no, no issue with the creatinine at all? No, that wasn't an issue. Um, uh, so uh, two things could drive that score into the red zone, which you were not in the red. Um, one would be if you were not well hydrated. Uh, the other would be if you are taking uh, creatine as a supplement that can be metabolized into creatinine. It's a different thing to start with, though. And also, um, if you have any muscle wasting uh, where you're losing muscle mass, you would see the creatinine score rise. Um, this being uh, in the green zone toward the higher end, this was fine. I, I would say let's keep the hydration going and uh, 
I'm not worried about this. Are you, have you taken creatine as a supplement? I have for about two months. Yeah. Every day. Okay. So you are doing that currently? Yep. Okay. Uh, just make sure you keep up with the fluid intake and this is not going to be an issue. You were not into the red, so no okay. issue there. But yeah, the remainder of it is just summary stuff. And so what the lab is doing is they're just trying to help a doctor that doesn't really know what to do with this test. And so let's say where we see essential fatty acid insufficiency, the lab is putting a big red stripe here to try to help that doctor that's going to go through this in the five to 10 minutes they've got in the doctor's office. And they're saying, hey, talk to them about these things. And so they're, they're pointing out what scores were outliers. It's just a really quick and dirty way to, to hold a conversation without going through this whole panel. Yep. And then the lab puts together what they think that you needed. Don't do this. Go off of what we were talking about. Um, they're amazing with their ability to precisely measure all those uh, uh, different nutrients. But when it comes to telling you what to do with it, um, I, I'd prefer that they left this part out, but it, it's here just because they're trying to help, again, a doctor that doesn't know what to do with this test. Yep. Um, I know that was a lot of information to throw at you there. Did that uh, make sense? It did, and I took notes as we were talking, so I'd like to just review what my action plan is going to be with you if we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. That, is there anything else to read from a test standpoint, or is that it? No, that's it. Okay, cool. So let me share with you my screen. And then here's kind of what I took away from it as we were going through. So I, I kind of took notes on each section as we were going through, as you were talking okay. and then up with my goals. So looking at, you know, small, more small, frequent meals, which I kind of do already. I sort of eat on the odds from like, like 7am to 5pm is kind of how I how I like to eat. So a little, I take basically my food and I map it out over the course of the day, and eat every other, every odd hour. Okay. You have mentioned eliminate sweets. Is it more manage or eliminate? You think? I would say just reduce. You don't need to cut the sweets out. <laughs> um, I know that's uh, I, I can tell you're somewhat extreme as far as if you're going to do something, you're all in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so just oh, yeah. uh, moderation on the sweets will be fine. Okay. Uh, pumpkin seeds, walnuts. So I'm thinking about like my breakfast, right? So I'm going to go organic, thick rolled oats, walnuts, sesame seeds, pumpkin. And this is going to be my overnight oat breakfast, pumpkin seeds, cottage cheese, and raspberries. If you wanted to throw something else in the oats, the currants would be interesting. Currants. Perfect. How was the other one? And then I'm going to, and so then this will be breakfast. So I'm just trying to figure out now, like, right. How do I take everything that we talked about and just build it into my lifestyle? That's to me, that's the, that's yeah. the key of all of this. Right. So then supplements is going to, we're going to go collagen still, still doing vitamin B, still doing vitamin D. I'm going to do arginine. We said to add, correct. Yeah, it will be the AAKG version of it. Just if we're adding it to something that the straight L-arginine is going to taste pretty nasty. So AKG, and then we got that dialed in. Perfect. More turkey. So then supplement, collagen, vitamin B, vitamin D, arginine. We had talked about L-tyrosine. Uh, and going to 1,000 milligrams a day. What do you recommend on the arginine? 
Uh, three grams would be a good dose there. Three grams. Okay, cool. So I got that. Tyrosine, L-tyrosine, AKG, boom. Proline supplement, cottage cheese. Do we do I need to take a proline supplement? Proline? You could get it. It's just sold as L-proline. I don't have a favorite brand on that. Um, but uh, you know, again, if we're doing one thousand to two thousand milligrams a day, that would be a reasonable dose there. In the sports world, you won't find the sports certified uh, version of that supplement. So it's not one that I can normally use in that space. That's why that guy was eating cheesecake. Was a, it was yeah. a simple way to get the score to come up. <laughs> I may I may go in the cheesecake roll. <laughs> if you are going to have sweets, that might, yeah, you might no, be able to justify that sweet. So. And, and then I'm going to do glutathione from Thorn, 500 to 600 milligrams. I would do the NAC... Um, uh, only because it is better, uh, glutathione just doesn't make it through the digestive system. Um, and foreign does make a NAC supplement as well as glutathione. The uh, NAC is, again, not NSF certified for sports. So just you know, a word of warning for any pro athletes that might be checking this out. I'm going to add macadamia nuts and pecans, this breakfast mix to hit those. Let's see. Black currant oil. We got I'm gonna get that supplement too. So that's gonna go here. Black currant oil supplement. Uh, got that. Uh dimo dial back on almond butter to watch. Out for almond butter. Sweet. And then lin linos lingoceric acid. Is that a supplement I want to try to take too? So that would just be the one that's in the peanuts or peanut butter. Uh, again, just the kind that has the oil on the top or the macadamia nuts. You could use the macadamia nuts like a supplement. Got, okay, so I don't need to supplement that. Then. Yeah, you won't need the supplement there. So it looks like then my game plan for the next, call it 90 days or so, is small frequent meals, reduce sweets. For breakfast, I'm going to get the organic thick rolled oats, add walnuts, Sesame seed, pumpkin seeds, cottage cheese, raspberry, currants, macadamia nuts, and pecan. That's going to kind of check all the box on all that. Supplements, we're going to go collagen, which I've been doing, vitamin B, which I've been doing, vitamin D, which I've been doing. We're going to go AAKG uh, for the arginine. We're going to do 1,000 milligrams of L-tyrosine, which I've been doing. We're going to do the proline supplement. We're going to do NAC, which I've been doing. Um, black current oil. We're going to get that going. All right. There's supplements. There's my breakfast and there's my to watch out for dial back and almond butter and sweets. Game plan. Yeah. yeah. And I get it all. I, I wish everyone's notes turned out like this. So this is actually terrific. Okay. Um, look like pretty easy additions. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and I, and I try to, as we're talking, right. And I think for, for the athletes listening to this, like I, I look at going, okay, well, Chris is making these recommendations. I have to think about, well, what, what, what's the path of, what's the path of least resistance for me to add this in and where can I do it consistently? And I'm okay with eating the same overnight oats every day for breakfast. I love it. It's easy to do. I can take it on the road with me if needed. 
in a cooler and I can just do that. And I make, you know, three of them on Sunday and I eat that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I make another four of them Wednesday night. And I have that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it sits in my fridge, all these supplements I'll bake into either the AM or PN supplementation routine. And I'm off and running. So really the only two adjustments I'm making are a consistent breakfast and an adjustment of my supplementation. You got it. And then Chris, what do you recommend frequency? Like, you know, I haven't done this since 2021. I want to try to get into like every 90 days or every 180 days. What do you feel like is the the right consistency to do blood work time-wise? So I have some teams that will do it at 90-day intervals. I actually disapprove of that, even though it's better business for me, yeah. simply because a lot of this test trails by three months. Mm -hmm. And so let's say that um, lignoceric acid uh, that, that would be in the peanuts or peanut butter and the macadamia nuts, um, that marker trails by about three months. And so if we retested in three months, we'd still see some of where you started at. And mm -hmm. I don't want to know where you started. I want to know where did you end up? Mm -hmm. Usually the six month mark gives enough time where not only do we get to see the full change from someone including something in their diet, but also did you burn out on it? And if the first month you're gung-ho and you're going, oh, I love walnuts, this is great. And afterwards you're going, I can't eat another walnut. <laughs> you know, we want to actually see did you burn out on that food and you know the currants are gone the raspberries are gone whatever we may uh, see that uh, some scores settled back down so we can uh, provide a little more useful feedback the reason the teams are going with 90-day intervals is just because they're trying to keep the guys motivated on nutrition and if you know there's a midterm coming up you're going to be more likely to prepare for it and if someone just thinks they're not going to look at it until after the season they tend to blow it off Got it. So you'd so, say every every six months would be... Yeah, that would be a good target. Cool. Um, so, so then what I'm going to do, right, just so because we're kind of coaching people as we're going through this, is I'm going to go to my calendar and I'm going to go, obviously, this is kind of like my January 1st test, but I would, yeah. say, I would say the week of January 1, I'm going to put on Chris Talley blood work. And then I'm going to set that to be a... I'm going to basically set that to be like a January one um, task. And then I'm going to set that to repeat. So Chris Talley, blood work. I'm going to set that as a task. I'm going to have that repeat every six months. So repeats custom uh, every month, repeats every Repeat monthly, let's say, repeat every six months. There we go. Repeat every six months and ends never. Done. Let me add an alarm. And done. Perfect. So now on my calendar, I have every six months as repeat Chris Talley blood work. So it's going to pop up as a notification and go, oh man, it's July 1st. I better get my blood work done. Hey, it's June, January 1st. I better get my blood work scheduled. Because like, you know, I try to be on, on as on top of this as if I was a professional athlete, because that's what I'm trying to kind of role play for the guys that I coach. And I haven't done it since 2021. So I'm going to get better with it. I'm going to be on it every six months, just like I'm going to do a DEXA scan probably every three months just to see where we're at body comp wise and looking forward to continuing to work with you, Chris. I appreciate you taking time and getting this turned around. Um, anything else that we need to discuss? I think you're set. Pretty easy awesome. adjustments. And um 
you know, if questions come up, uh, feel free to reach out. You're not uh, bothering me with a question. I'd much rather have you ask than start taking guesses on things. Yeah, awesome. And then for anybody who's been listening to this that's been inspired and wants to take action to work with you to get their blood work done and really dial in their nutrition, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, you're welcome to email me. and that, That's just chris at precisionfoodworks.com. Precision, awesome. P-R-E-C-I-S-I-O-N food works with an s on the end of work uh, but yeah uh, feel free to shoot me a message and i'm happy to help out i hope you enjoyed that podcast with chris tally and a look at our i hope you enjoyed that podcast with chris tally and a look at my blood work and food sensitivity tests and to see how i'm custom crafting my supplementation and nutrition protocol based off of my blood work for optimal performance again if it's something you're interested in i can't highly recommend chris enough that you read out reach out to him his email will be in the show notes below and if you like the podcast please subscribe leave a like and give us a review because that's how we're going to help grow our mental performance mastery podcast community thanks for being here you dominate the day